Hey, you found us. It's a very special episode of the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, we're going to talk about the movie you and I would watch to get psyched up for finals in college. That's right, that's right. Herman Boone and the T.C. Williams Titans. The movie is Remember the Titans, 2000 Disney film, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, starring Denzel Washington as Herman and, Boone. And that's really all you got to say. I mean, there's other great performances, but Denzel's in it, so it's great. And the movie is excellent, and I want to be clear that what we are talking about is, is from a place of love, but a little bit critical of the Absolutely. movie Remember the Titans. Hey, if we, if we didn't like it, we wouldn't have watched it so many times to be able to break down all the things we're going to break down. So let's start with the the arrival of Coach Boone. Mm-hmm. He he comes from North Carolina. He's been hired to assist Coach Yost. Yes, aptly played by Will Patton. Correct. Correct. And to help him at the new integrated TC Williams High School. Except there's a twist. They want Coach Boone to be the head coach, despite the fact that. Coach Yost is about to become a Virginia High School Football Hall of Fame coach. Right, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, okay, we're to we're to believe that this is the only high school that's been integrated. So I, I guess I guess I get it. They gotta they gotta make a move like that. But yeah, it's it's rough to sacrifice Coach Yost when he's apparently been that successful. I mean, Coach Yost is going to be a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, and yeah. and he's not done. He you know no, when exactly they, when they announce this. His, his initial reaction is he's going to sit a year out and then coach a different coach school. Coach somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, that was a, a, a rough break. I don't know how true that is. I, that aspect might be true, but it definitely doesn't make a lot of sense. And so jumping from the absurd to the ridiculous, the, the movie's opening has a, a racial-based fight about to break out uh, in the local stores. Right. And the football team leaves practice and goes sprinting away from the field. <laughs> and and they go flying. And and the and, and I'm talking about the white players on the team led yes. by all-American linebacker Gary Vertier. Correct. And they go Correct. sprinting to this fight and somehow Coach Yost gets into his truck and barely <laughs> catches them literally the last possible intersection <laughs> right. before they get to the giant right. kerfuffle right. that's going on in downtown Alexandria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of questions. What were they going to do as part of that fight? How did they get there so fast? Um, how did Coach Yost not get there faster when he was in a car? You'd think that, I mean, did it take him a long time to get to his car? Uh, did he know exactly where the fight was? How, how was he able to track them down? Uh, but you know, that's, that's coach Yost. He finds a way to save the day. And, and the big issue that the, that the assistant coach has is that you've embarrassed the coach. Right. Right. Which look, which pretty much sets the tone right away that coach Tyrell is a villain character in this little film. And, and our, and our villains are coach Tyrell and, uh, obviously Ray. Yes. And then to a lesser extent, the, the, character who gets saved emma who's gary's girlfriend correct Correct. yes now let's start let's start talking about the relationship between uh the coaching staff Mm -hmm. when it becomes clear that it's going to be coach boone's team and coach yost Uh is leaving it appears that 
all the white players, when they are informed, are not going to play. Right. And Coach Boone calls a team meeting, the first team meeting. Yes. And we meet the, we meet the lovable characters that will make up the T.C. Williams Titans. Right. I want to start with P.D. Jones, running back. Okay. The running back. Okay. P.D. Jones cannot be happier about there being a black head coach. That's true, yes. And Coach Boone has none of it. It's the nope. it's the most Coach Boone moment, I think, in the entire movie. Be- yep, because, yep, yep. Because it's the first day, it's the first meeting, P.D. Jones puts his hand in the air and has a smile <laughs> on his face, and Coach Boone just tears him apart. That is correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, quickly sets the tone. And, and right away we find, that, you know, it's a preview of things to come, that things are going to be a little bumpy for Petey Jones. They're not going to go nearly as smoothly as, as he thinks. Well, and that's the problem is he's smiling first and then he's thinking. Right, right. <laughs> and, and that doesn't work. And, of course, and I don't know if you're going to get to this, but I will, uh, we do have to discuss the fact that when Coach Boone's going to coach this team without the help of Yost or Tyrell at that point, he has only one assistant and his assistant only coaches the offensive line. So Coach Boone was going to be carrying a whole lot of load for this team if things had stayed that way. I mean, Doc, what I love is he's, he goes through and he says, Doc will be your offensive line coach, but yeah. then there's no other introduction. So That's it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it goes to, I think, the first football point to make in the film, which is maybe he can do it because the offense only runs six plays. Well, that's true. That's true, except, yes. except very obviously the offense runs more than six plays if you watch the movie, but uh, yeah, but yeah, they only run yeah. six plays. Right, right. He's got a very simple playbook. He's, uh, you know, it's, it's like Novocaine, as we're told. Give it time. It always works. Um, and, and yeah, but who was going to coach the defense? I don't know. I guess Boone was, um, but it sure did work out well that there was no defensive coach already in place, so that way when Yost decides to rally the the white players and bring coach Tyrell back as well. There's a ready-made job for him to be the defensive coordinator. <laughs> and you got coach Tyrell allowed to coach the special teams. Correct. Yes. So who was going to coach the special teams? I don't know. Now, again, we are talking about an older day where there wasn't as many assistant coaches. I will concede that, but nonetheless, it, you'd have to think he might've had somebody that was supposed to coach defense. Well, and you, I mean, it's one thing to say it was back in the day and there aren't that many coaches, but he had two and doc was clearly articulated to only be coaching the offensive line. Right. Right. So yeah, doc, uh, doc was maybe ahead of his time where he was, uh, you know, just a position coach, didn't do anything else. Um, except check him in as we know he does check him in um but yeah i don't know uh i'm not i'm not sure what the plan was if yost had not come back also this team wasn't going to be very deep there's only maybe 20 or 25 guys in that team meeting at first uh so it would have been a lot of work so it, it worked out well that they all came back and gave this team more depth I mean, you were going to have a lot of players going both ways, which was going to put yes. a lot of pressure on Rev since he was apparently the only quarterback on the roster at this Correct. point. Correct. Yes, yes. And, and that brings up a great question. Who was going to be the quarterback for the white team if they hadn't integrated? Didn't they have a, a quarterback? Because when they do merge, we never see another quarterback until Sunshine, who's a late transfer. Yeah, Sunshine also telegraphing the future. You've got a, a talented right. high school player who moves to a good high school football team. Now, yes. now this yes. is different because 
because the colonel uh, is forced to move there for work, and he refused right. to enroll him to enroll Sunshine in a non-integrated school. Right, right. But so it, it's uh, yeah, but it, you're right. It's a little it's a little foreshadowing of future high school football developments. So let's talk about that team meeting. It gets interrupted, and, and I think Boone is absolutely right and and handled exactly the way you'd want it handled, Coach Yost. He interrupted the team meeting, but he didn't yell at Coach Yost in front of the team. He didn't belittle sure. him in front of the team. He took him into the hallway That's right. and explained what was wrong. That's right. Treats him like a man. Sets the tone right then that there's going to be a little mutual respect there. Uh, you know, gets off to a good start in their relationship. And I think what makes that more interesting to me is when you compare and contrast that with how he treats Gary and Ray when they're getting ready to load the bus. Yes. Because or, shall we say, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. I mean, it, it, he he makes them uh, call him his daddy, which I don't think you're allowed to do. In the post-Pedro right. Martinez Yankees Red Sox world, <laughs> that's not allowed. <laughs> There's a lot of things that Coach Boone does in this film that were probably acceptable in the 1970s that certainly would not be acceptable in the 2000s or 2010s. Um, but, you know, that, I suppose is more acceptable that being said if it happened now he would be brought up on charges of verbal abuse and probably fired now he makes all the players sit on the bus after he solves the ray and gary issue sit on the bus with a teammate of a different race and he makes them be roommates and wouldn't you know it luck would have it gary bertier and julius campbell are together Certainly worked out well. Yes, yes. Uh, we get basically the inspirational leader of both sides uh, to, you know, initially be foils and enemies, and then through one loud argument and then one emotional practice, they become best buddies and and basically soulmates. Now we have to talk about Julius Campbell. An interesting career for him. He starts as an amazing high school defensive end and becomes. Right. Baltimore's most notorious drug lord, <laughs> Avon Barksdale. Avon Barksdale, yes, yes. Uh, betrayed by his best friend Stringer. Um, but that's a whole different story and, a, and a, you know, a lot of emotion that goes into that. We should, we should save that for another time. I think the, the thing about uh, the loading of the bus, the team meeting, the loading of the bus in camp, you grow to love one character above all else. At least you do if you're me, and that's Louis yep. Plastic. That's right, that's <laughs> right. He's your... He's your uh, conscience among the white characters uh, to start at with, the only one who seems to embrace the other players, um, you know, before they're forced to embrace. And then as things go, we get more and more acceptance. But, yes, Louis Lastic is the one guy who, who uh, when, when Coach Boone, of course, puts the players on the spot and makes them uh, say something in front of the team about one of their teammates of a different race, he has plenty of answers. About several players, and none of, nobody else, of course, can come up with anything. Yeah. Now, where I think you start to drift away from how, you know, students, student athletes, especially high school students, would get treated today yes. or in 2000 when this movie came out, and, and in, in the movie world, uh, starts with these practices. Uh-huh. It's apparently 1,000 degrees in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And... You don't get water. You're no. just not allowed to have no. water. And if you ask for water, the team has to do up-downs. The team is further <laughs> punished. Exactly, yes. And, and of course, we also get the, 
if you don't, if you keep ignoring the teammates of the other race, we're going to go to three a days and four a days. And, and boy, oh boy, I mean, if you don't, you know, listen to that and think this is why football players get CTE and, and die at a young age, well, you know, you can blame Herman Boone and, and the people of his ilk. Well, and, and let's go a step further with Coach Boone. He then decides at 3 a.m. in the morning, which I love that that's how he describes it. Correct, yes. That yes. at 3 a.m. in the morning, they're going to go for a run, and he runs them through what appears to be a swamp. Uh, uh, yeah, jungle land, which you'd think would be, you know, dangerous. Uh, there's probably some animals in there that could, could kill humans. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, perhaps Herman Boone knew this route. He's been in the South, and... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he had something going there where we could figure that out. Do you think that he ran that every morning at 3 a.m., kind of like John Gruden, and he just is up and and no one knew it? It it does seem like Herman Boone is the type of guy who slept for like 90 minutes a night and and was up working all other times. Yeah, except for when he was hanging out with his wife, who is awesome. Correct. Carol Boone is the most supportive and understanding wife. Right, right out of the 1970s playbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's yelling at high school kids. He basically <laughs> ignores his family to watch game film, which is also, yep. you know, ahead of his time for a high school coach that true, he's watching true. game yes, film. Yes, uh, you know, Boone was one of those guys who slept in the office, I'm sure, and you know, uh, missed missed Thanksgiving dinner because he was watching game film. So, they somehow survive camp with two a days and everybody hating each other and right. and, and alan loving country music <laughs> so, so. but of course we have our we have our inspirational moment of left side strong side which brings the whole team together the entire team embraces left side strong side but then doesn't un, doesn't realize that in the you know four days they've been gone right. that alexandria virginia has not solved its racial Correct. crisis Correct. Um, yes they have not all embraced the power of left side, strong side, and that we are all one people. And in fact, they go back to the real world, and as one of the characters says, we ain't in camp anymore. And, and that's true. The, the one person who didn't ever embrace the camp spirit was Ray. That's correct. And, Ray is, is uh, the, the, the villain character, as you discussed. Uh, he's, he's the one guy who never quite gets it. And... Coach Boone has a has a philosophy that I do think as a public school football coach makes a lot of sense. He will not cut a player who shows up. Correct. But Ray really pushes the line on that because Ray hates black people and that's not acceptable on the TC yes. Williams Titans or in our modern society now. That's right. That's right. And he uh, of course, you know, refuses to uh to listen to the audible that's communicated by Louis Elastic very clearly. I think we can all hear it, but Ray says he didn't. And that, of course, leads to a season-ending, or at least we think, season-ending injury to Rev, bringing upon the emergence of Sunshine Ronnie Bass to save the day. And let's talk about a few things with what's going on. We learn right before that, like immediately before that, that Ronnie Bass cannot make the pitch. And the entire T.C. Williams offense is geared around running Options. His veer option, exactly, yeah. So he's got a massive arm. We see that in his debut scene. He throws the ball from miles away and hits Gary Bertier in the back. Um, but Coach Boone, not an advanced offensive mind. He's, he's a 1970s offensive mind. He doesn't throw it a ton. So, yeah, it does seem like Ronnie Bass would be a square peg in a round hole in that offense. Well, and keep in mind this about not having an innovative offense because at camp, 
Coach Yost gives Boone more plays. Right. And says, right. let's use these plays. And Boone says, no, thank you. Correct. No Coach trick Yost. plays. Yes. He doesn't want to do trick plays. He doesn't want to be innovative. And, yes. and and put a pin in that for when we get to the championship game. That is correct. Which yes. coach admits he's getting his butt kicked. Correct. Yes. And yes. what the score yes. is at the time. Because <laughs> because it's going to come back. It's an important oh, yeah. point, and we're going to talk about it. Oh, yeah. But Rev gets hurt. Ray misses the block intentionally. Mm. And we hear from Gary Bertier, who has come around. His girlfriend yep. has not. She can't embrace the the openness uh, of all people that Gary has found in his heart, right, his mother right. can't embrace it, but Gary has right. found it, and Gary and his best friend Ray didn't. I mean, yeah, Gary Gary pretty quickly, uh, you know, left all of his support system, uh, which is remarkable and and you know admirable, but uh, in reality, that that would be hard for somebody like Gary to turn on his family, girlfriend, and best friend. And become very accepting of the black players when nobody around him was. I mean, it really does uh, does wonders for my belief in football as a family, a football yes. team as a family, because yes. Gary literally turned his back on his old family, yeah, and his yeah. biological family, correct, yeah. to to yeah. join with yeah. this, and and gets Ray kicked off the team or or kicks him off the team because, as you said, Coach Boone does not cut a player, but. If a captain wants to make that decision, he is the captain. Support your decision, as Coach Boone eloquently puts it. So there are a couple things that start happening for T.C. Williams. The first thing that happens is they win. And much like any sport, when you're winning, everything's a lot easier. That's right. All of a sudden, the players are allowed to eat free. Yep. Um, Julius Campbell gets stopped in the upper crust white neighborhood that Gary grew up in and is not hassled at all he just nope, tells but, he's just told by the rather, officer that he's a good player exactly asked about the football game yes we get that powerful montage with the uplifting music where they're winning games in grand fashion and everybody's getting along pretty well and of course as we know in movies that always leads to trouble whenever you get that montage everything's going well the next scene is usually the start of trouble and, and the team had a lot of adversity Yes. And I think, you know, one of the one of the early main points of adversity was the running game. Petey Jones. Yeah, a fumbler. An all-world talent cannot hold on to the football. Yes, yes, that's an issue. And we, we and learned it, it at camp, and, yep. and, he, and he couldn't take responsibility for it. And we also learned that he does not take criticism well. No, he does not. Petey was, was probably uh, a little bit ahead of his time, too. Petey is the type of guy who would have transfer to another school nowadays for a better opportunity rather than switch positions he would have just moved to another district or gotten a new address and played running back somewhere else but back then Petey got a chance to play defense after things really went poorly on offense with Boone coach Yost brought him in of course that leads to some tension between Boone and Yost and how they treat the black players but it does give Petey a second life and he has he has some success how I mean, I would have asked this question more openly before about how easy do you think it would be for a converted running back to all of a sudden play corner effectively? But I've well, gotten to watch it happen for uh, ASU, yeah, and it's we've not. We've seen it, and it's not easy. Um, now, again, we are talking about the 1970s when and high school offenses offenses were not nearly as advanced as they are now, and you weren't throwing it 60 times. So uh, perhaps a little easier for Petey, and you know. Uh, Coach Yost saw something in him that, you know, comes comes back to help the team for a while. 
before once again Petey hits some adversity later on in the season in the playoffs and once again uh, doesn't respond well and walks away and that leads to him getting benched for the title game. So we've got some regular season stuff to take care of because we're going to spend a lot of time on the title game. Yes. There's the game where the referees are trying to cost T.C. Williams the game. Right, which I believe is the semifinals, is it not? Is it? I think that you're right. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, against, against Groveton, if I'm remembering correctly. That might be a different game. It's, well, it's the, is that the game where the coach wouldn't exchange game film? I think it is, yeah. I think that's the, the semifinals. They go through the little adversity in the regular season when they're playing. I can't even remember who. Things are a little rough, but remember they have the inspirational scene in the gym when uh, Rev and Louis Lastic get the whole team together for a team meeting and everybody does the clapping, and that's when they, of course, start the fancy intro where they walk out and, of course, what is who they think they are, the Beatles, all of that goes into that. But they write the ship, they go to the semifinals, and that's when things get bumpy because we find out the fix is in. In order to help Yost get in the Hall of Fame, they're going to cost this team the game, Boone's going to get fired, and, well, you take it from there. Well, it, it leads to a question. So, so first, Yost figures it out. Boone starts, you know, doing what, what coaches do. He asks if the yeah. refs are cheating him. He gets right. flagged for, I assume, unsportsmanlike conduct for yes. what he's yelling. And, and and Yost wants to put a stop to it. He says he's aware of it and he's going to take them all down. Now, I, right. have, I, I want to start from this premise, though. Why does Yost, the team he's coaching, that he's the defensive coordinator for, mm-hmm. why does he have to lose this game to get in the Hall of Fame? I don't understand. He had a Hall of Fame career. He was going to go in the True. Hall of Fame before this season even started. True. Now he's yeah. the defensive coordinator on an undefeated team that's dominating that's people. True. I guess the notion is they need to get him back to being a head coach, and we find out that if the team loses even one game, Boone's going to get fired, which, of course, doesn't make a ton of sense, but maybe does because there was a lot of opposition to Boone. Um, but, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And, and of course, it takes Yost a while to – uh, even though he was told at the little, you know, get together prior to the game that this was going to happen, um, he he, you know, he comes to his senses and he, yes, he threatens the referees that he's going to go to the papers and tell everybody, which might be self defeating because if that happens, Yost's career is over too. Let's be honest. I mean, Yost is doing everything he can for this team, except for you know, running the best defense possible, which we find right. out later that, you know, if he allows seven points, he's he's screwing up. Correct. Yes. But, <laughs> but we're having some serious adversity. Yost is going to the ref. He gets the, the point across that you're going to call this game straight. And then he calls yep. the defense together. And he yep. says, you don't allow another yard. And my question is, is that net yardage or is that any – forward yardage That's, it's a very hard standard to meet yeah because he, he's gonna he pull to, every last to take one of them. every single one of them out if they allow a yard um so and and really it you know again sort of self-defeating are you really going to take out your starters for backups theoretically they're not as good and so therefore they're going to allow more yards um but the inspirational speech seems to work because boy do they get fired up they start delivering hard hit after hard hit gary bertier of course with that memorable point at the opposing coach after delivering a hard hit, which really sends a message, sends chills up your spine every time you see it. And, uh, and you know, T.C. Williams goes on to dominate that game. And, of course, we get the post-game 
banana toss from Herman Boone. Well, and that's another thing that is a little different. Both those events, the the point <laughs> is a hundred percent taunting. There's yeah. no, I mean that. Oh that, yeah. Like I don't care if the refs are fixing the game or not. That's an obvious yeah. taunting call. It is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, the. NFL would not allow that, that is for sure. Well, and the banana toss, I think, is absolutely suspended for the next game. That or, Probably or fine. so. I mean, Probably so, yeah. And, and in high school, that's an athletic director and a school president having to answer questions. It's like running up the score, you know? Yes. And, and that's what they do because he tells them to run it up. So That's, that's right. You know? Leave no doubt. Correct, yeah, yeah. You're, uh, you're right, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's another good point. Yeah, I mean... Now you know, of course, we're uh, we're introduced to this head coach as being a vile racist who uh, doesn't have anything good to say about Herman Boone. Won't exchange film. I believe calls him a monkey, uh, which explains so, the banana. I mean, that's right, a, right. Yeah. That's the origin of that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, it's not good. Um, but then again, you know, Herman Boone, he doesn't he doesn't take any guff, and and this guy challenged him, and well, he proved it. He proved he was better. His team rolled over them once the officials stopped trying to cheat the team out of the win. And then it's on to the championship game against Marshall and Ed Henry, the legendary coach. So we get to the title game. Now, Allen has replaced Petey at corner. Right, because Petey... Petey sulked. Petey sulked. When Yost gives his memorable... I don't want you to allow another yard. He specifically calls out Petey. Petey just walks away, which brings Allen back into the lineup. And we've been waiting all season for Allen because we found out from his father that yeah. he's made all city multiple times. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's benched because the, the right. running back is now. And also, let's think about, you know, going back to the offense. They only run six plays. Their starting running right. back is now playing corner. It, right. it, it leads you to wonder, you know, all the depth on this team was in the, you know, in the running back core? Because and who was the running back that took over? We're never told who gets the carries after Petey. And, and you, you bring up a good point, and maybe you didn't even realize you brought it up, but if Allen was that good, couldn't they have found a way to get them both on the field? It wasn't a quarterback. Like, okay, Petey might have been good at corner. <laughs> couldn't they have played them both? Why did they bench Allen for Petey? Couldn't they have just gotten them both on the field at corner? Well, it makes you wonder, before Petey was there, the other guy at corner? Like, let's yeah. say they're playing a traditional two-corner, two-safety yeah. set. If yeah. Allen's all city, right? Well, how good is this other guy who we don't meet? Yeah. We never meet yeah. him. We never do, no. And Allen just gets benched. Yeah, that's, that's one of those that, quite honestly, I've never thought of until just now. But... Why does Allen get benched? Couldn't they have, you know, found a role for both of them? If Allen was good, maybe Petey's better than Allen, we're led to believe. But they still should have found a way to play him somehow. Slot corner? Something? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something. Uh, you know, move him to safety. I don't know. Yeah, you'd, you'd think that there would have been a way to employ him and Petey on the same defense. But apparently not. Allen's in the lineup going into the championship game. Petey is back in the doghouse, this time on the defensive side. So we learn going into the championship game, or actually we learn very early, that every coach has tendencies, and Herman Boone's smart enough to hire a math teacher to watch game film and give them <laughs> the tendencies, the run-pass tendencies for every coach. But Ed Henry, the legendary head coach right. Ed Henry, does not have these tendencies. has no tendencies. He's apparently the Bill Belichick of high school football in Virginia. 
he changes his game plan every week, and there's just no way to predict what he's going to do. And, you know, a bit of foreshadowing, you have Coach Yo say to Boone, the only time we'll see Ed Henry's in the state championship game, and wouldn't you know it, they meet for the yep. state title. Yep, yep, yep. So I guess Ed Henry and Marshall were like Chandler Hamilton back in our days at South Point. They were just always there. It was just a matter of who was going to play them. So we get to the game, and Petey is in uniform. It, it's unclear in our modern day if somebody would have shown up after being benched on both sides of the ball. Right, right. And, and, and obviously being in the doghouse, he maybe yeah. would have gone to California and just hung out for a weekend with his family instead of going to the game. Um, <laughs> but he shows up, he's in uniform, and we get out onto the field, and Ed Henry comes out in the shotgun. Yep, an unheard of concept in high school football at that point. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Yes. Totally thrown off. They have no idea, and, and Marshall just marshes down the field for an opening touchdown. And, and, and let's start here. They come out in the shotgun. Seems like a good time to have multiple corners on the field. Sure, sure, yeah. You'd think that maybe that would have gotten Petey back in. Now, of course, Yost is trying to prove a point. Petey quit on the team, so therefore we can't sacrifice our integrity. That changes eventually, but yeah, definitely a time you would have wanted more DBs out there. So Allen goes to Coach Yost and says that he can't hang with these players. Cannot right. do it. All-city right. cornerback ha- has no concept of hanging with right. a, a, a receiver. Right. Now, I believe that's at halftime that mm-hmm. he says that, correct? And, of course, yeah. as, as you mentioned, the halftime score is what? 7 nothing. 7 nothing. So The Titans are down opening- by a touchdown. They gave up that opening touchdown drive. First drive, they come out. As Blue even says, it feels like they're on Monday night football. But they settle down defensively, obviously, and don't allow another point the rest of the half. The, the Herman Boone six-play offense, nothing. Zero Can't, points. Not, not moving the ball at all. Ro- yeah. Ronnie Bass, you know, he, when he can pass, when he's playing weaker competition, he looks great. When he's playing right. this team, can't do anything. It almost right. makes you wonder if he's better suited to be a fullback. We'll get right. to that. <laughs> that is correct, yeah. So, so what we've got is a defense that looked bad initially, but obviously has settled into the game, an offense that has not put any points on the board, and they're down 7 nothing as they go into the locker room. Yes, Allen admits that he has zero clue and needs Petey to go back in. Coach Yost tells him, you want to give him your spot, you do it. And that leads to Petey's triumphant return. But, of course, there's... There's more between the coaches than just that. There's a, there's a recognition of the selfless act of needing to ask for help from Coach yes. Yost. Yes. And Coach Yost says to Herman Boone that Ed Henry is kicking his rear end. Right. And he right. needs Herman Boone's help with the defense. Yes. Now, Boone has been waiting all season to coach the defense. You, yes, because <laughs> as we discussed, he apparently was going to coach the defense if Yost had not returned to the staff. So now he gets to coach the defense. It's everything yep. he possibly wanted as a head coach. Yep. Where is he asking for help from Yost for the offense that hasn't scored a point? Yeah, there's none. There's none. And uh, now we do get it on, again, the very last play of the game, uh, as we'll get to. But, yeah, there's uh, Herman Boone, great guy, great coach, but uh, not the most humble of characters. And you know, that would have been a time for Herman Boone to say, you know what, Yost, I'll help you with the defense. My offense is struggling as well. You got any ideas? We don't get any any hint of that at that point. And, and what's Boone's idea with his struggling offense and a defense that it seems to have figured it out? To have a bunch of players start going both ways. 
Right. And, and, and just make it make it more difficult for your offense to get something right. going because your guys are exhausted. Yeah, we're probably in game number uh, conservatively 12, maybe up as many as 15 at that point of the season because they're in the state championship game. Um, and, yes, his idea is to use guys on more plays, and including his starting quarterback is going to go in and play defense. Um, and, of course, we are led to believe they have no backup. Yeah, uh, I mean, starting quarterback, only quarterback, because Rev right. has a broken hand. Right. He cannot, cannot pitch throw. the ball. And, he and can't so, pitch. Not, not only right. can he not throw, he can't make the pitch. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I don't know about that strategy, but it works out. Sunshine does not get injured on defense. He's still alive. They, they go get a field goal, 7-3. We're coming down to the wire. Now, Sunshine on defense might have been the revelation that leads to the final play. Yes. Because the final play design, well, there's a lot of problems, okay? Right. They need a touchdown. They're down by four points. Right. Ed Henry seems unprepared for that inevitability. We presume that they are in their own territory. We're not given a yard line, but based on the play that we see... (laughs) We're probably at best on their own forty. I was gonna say thirty. Um, I mean, this is a long developing play, but yes. The so the the Titans come uh, come out in a spread formation, and Rev is in the game because Boone asks Rev, "How are your legs?" and he's fine. So apparently, Rev can't Ready throw, to run. but he's but he can, but he can run. So he can't yes. he can't throw, but he's ready to play, and. They drop a play that is the most imaginative play that Boone has called all season. Yes, when finally he lets Yost contribute to the offense when he says, Ed Henry's on top of you, throw something at him he's not expecting. So when you're at least 60 yards away from the end zone and your quarterback has a cannon for an arm, you would expect the Hail Mary. Right, but no. That's not Herman Boone's game. No. Herman Boone... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Ed Henry does not expect a Hail Mary because when they come out, he panics and tells his team they're going to throw it deep. How did he not tell his team that in a huddle prior to that snap? I'm not sure. But so Ed Henry is somehow initially aligned for a running play. Right. He backs his entire team off, and then they call a running play. But not just any yes. running play. A backside George reverse, like a your reverse. life depended on it. <laughs> a reverse, which could be a creative play in the first quarter, but you'd think at the end, especially with defenders positioned deep, somebody would be there to make that tackle. Well, and the thing is, like, you see plays where they run the hook and ladder or the scramble drill where everyone's just running and you try to create something. Mm-hmm. But usually the first step of any of those plays is moving the ball downfield a little bit. To run the reverse, right. you start the play by going backwards 7 to 10 yards. Right, right. So and even apparently if they, the Marshall team is so thrown off by this that about eight of their tacklers are totally out of position. So let's start with this idea that they're on the 40. By the time Rev catches the ball and turns upfield, he's back at his own 35. Yeah. He's got 65 yards to go. He's got one yep. blocker, and it's the quarterback, Sunshine yep. Ronnie Bass. Yep, yep, yep. There's no time on the clock, like you said. Ronnie Bass is not a runner. He's a, he's a thrower. 
Right. Rev is a runner. We've Rev got the starting job out of camp, and ev- everything that I've seen up to this point leads me to believe that Rev might be the fastest player on the team, and that <laughs> Ronnie Bass is up not up not yeah he's a <laughs> yeah. he's a pocketly mobile quarterback yes yes on this reverse he gets a little bit of a head start but he runs stride for stride with rev for the length of the field and he is the best blocker you've ever seen i was gonna say not only does he run stride for stride he lays three massive blocks while doing so and he it, doesn't get slowed down at all I mean, he's knocking these people down like yeah. a man among boys. He mm-hmm. is leveling people, and you wonder, you know, I, I, I read that the, the character, Ronnie Bass, the, the guy wound up going to play at South Carolina. Yes. After watching that, I feel like that's an NFL-caliber fullback. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. he I mean, he, he's just killing guys. He's Mike Allstott on that run. I mean, he is opening up lanes. He's plowing guys over. And, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's amazing. And yet, again, with all that blocking, where is the defense that was sent back to guard against the deep ball? How is somebody not in position to tackle Rev? There's definitely poor gang tackling. Because, yeah. you know, one, nobody takes out Ronnie Bass. You If the first blocker can just yeah. take him out, then it's Rev by himself then with at Rev least two guys coming. Right, right. But yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. And, and, yeah, where is the rest of that defense? Why didn't Ed Henry call a timeout when he panicked and said they're going to throw it deep? Maybe call a timeout. Bring your guys over. Make sure they're all on the same page. Remember, Defensive timeout. Yeah, all it you need, works well. All you need to do is not allow a touchdown if you're Ed Henry right. and you're state champ. You just tackle him at the one, and it's fine. I don't understand it, but I'll be darned if Coach Boone doesn't call the game-winning play. It works. It works. <laughs> you know, that, it, it, it's not my way, but it's, <laughs> it's effective in a Disney movie. You it know, it is. I, yes. I will say this. If you call a reverse down four with no time on the clock from your own 40, you're uh-huh. probably fired. That's just I would what, think so. You know, I would think, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're going to need at least a couple laterals down the field to try to make that work. It's hard to believe that the reverse is going to throw them off so much um, that most of the defense is totally out of position, and the guys who are in position can't get off a block by the quarterback. I mean, it it strikes me as odd. It does. But I like it. I oh, think yeah. it's a great and, movie. And Every time exactly. I watch it, I, I get excited, you know. Oh, yeah. And it's Disney because I believe in real life they won the championship game something like <laughs> 51 to nothing or something like that. So, you know, you got to have the drama, and that certainly delivers drama. Well, I also think uh, Gary Bertier played in the championship game in right, real life and, and got and got hit by the car significantly afterwards but another element that we should talk about with the whole oh the defense is struggling they only gave up seven points to this great offense and they were without their best player so that's pretty good like i mean they lost one of their two best players maybe the best player the week before the game to a debilitating you know life-altering injury not just a sprained ankle he's paralyzed and they still overcome it and only give up seven points and a half 
pretty good. The emotional maturity of the Titans is really something yeah. else in this movie. Yeah. I mean, Coach Yost really has them ready to go when you lose a star All-America captain and, and you still come out and settle down and only give up seven points. Also, I, I have to say, the, the on-field security was a little lax for that game because Emma gets all the way to <laughs> Julius Campbell to shake That's his right. hand. <laughs> And nobody stops her until she's there. Nobody, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. That's the, the one sort of sign that she might be redeemable. Mm-hmm. We never see Coach Tyrell or Ray become redeemable, but mm-hmm. Emma kind of turns the corner at the end. Yeah, and all it took was her quasi-boyfriend almost dying. Getting paralyzed, right, <laughs> and, yeah. And that was enough for her to be willing to shake hands with yep. Julius Campbell, which, as an aside, looks like she's shaking hands with a catcher's mitt. I mean, that's true. That's true. Kate, I true. I think Kate Bosworth is great, but ha- she is very tiny. And, oh yeah. And Wood well, Harris is very Campbell big. Is a, like he's a behemoth. And, and and so when they shake hands, it feels like he could wrap his whole hand around her, like you know, like if yep. I was holding like a string cheese. That's what it looked like. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. But overall, the movie's a thumbs up. There, you know, it's a great movie. It, um, but like many sports movies, it's got some some sports issues that just don't make any sense. And the championship game is really the the crowning moment of that. There's just a ton of things that don't make sense in the real world of football. That That's what makes being a sports fan fun, because you can watch these things and you can appreciate the game uh, that they, you know as they're playing it. And then something ridiculous can happen, and you can you, you you put it aside, and you're like, "Oh, that's a really great uplifting story." But then the hundredth time you watch it, you're like, "No, right. no, that's just a bad tackle. That's just poor doesn't tackling. make sense." Yeah, I mean, I, I'll admit when I first saw the movie, I didn't think anything of the last play because you're into the emotion, and it's like, "Oh, you're you're glued to what's going to happen." But once you know what's going to happen, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh yeah, I mean it. It you know. And the further away you get from it, the more ridiculous yeah. it seems. It makes even less sense every time I watch it. That being said, if I was going to have a fictitious coach, coach of my fictitious team, I'd take Herman Boone. Oh, without a doubt. And again, I think if you need a defensive coordinator, Coach Yost, pretty good. I mean, he, he produces pretty good results with that defense. I mean, he told them not to give up another yard, and they didn't give up a yard. And apparently they didn't, right. And then he can adjust to losing his best player leader of his defense for multiple years were to assume and and you know still produce a pretty darn good group for the state championship game against a great team it's not like they were playing a a cupcake they were playing a state champion yeah i mean that's a you know that's a one touchdown allowed to an ed henry offense that comes out in the shotgun like the new york jets yeah i kind of think we should hire coach yost to be our defensive coordinator we could use somebody who can make adjustments like that. Well, I mean, you got to come up with something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, maybe that's what we should do is start playing our offensive guys both ways, like Herman Boone suggested. Can't hurt. Can't get any worse. I mean, the only the only question I have with that is when ASU's got fragile quarterbacks. And I don't mean that's fragile. True. I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean guys who've gotten hurt a lot this year. Right. It's right. not a shot. I'm not saying Manny should play through it. Obviously, you don't want to play through serious injuries. I'm with you. But I don't think you play Mandy both ways. That's what I'm saying. I would hope not. I'm, <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. I mean, but for the but, rest of them, look, you want to try Nikhil Harry at corner? I'm interested. I, I don't care yeah, anymore. Uh, 
I mean, again, it can't get much worse than what we are, so it's worth a shot. But I say the movie's good. I think that we're oh, going to do it. this. I, I think, Matt, I think this worked. I think we're going to do this, uh, mix in some movie conversation, maybe sports movies, maybe not. Sounds but, good. But, you know, give, it, give a little something different on the bye week. We'll be back to preview ASU versus Utah. And if you like this, you're probably Greg. So, Greg, if you like this, let us know. If you thought this was stupid, also let us know. <laughs> <laughs> and, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.